0: Hey there, Tomorrow's Leaders. So this is a good friend of mine who I've known for many years. Got the opportunity to work with him back in the Ameriprise days. He and I kind of tracked each other from a distance, working at different parts of the country, and have had the opportunity to reconnect with him and see him in uh, his role at Lincoln. And he's done a phenomenal job with organizational change, communication, bringing teams together. Really, really a lot of great stuff. And we had an awesome conversation. So I know you're going to love this episode. And here he is, Tom Lakatos. All right, welcome to today's episode of Tomorrow's Leader, where we dive deep on all things leader-related, related related to leading yourself and leading others. I'm John Larito, your host, today with a great guest, somebody who I've known for a lot of years, friend of mine, a past colleague from, gosh, I'm going to say like 20 years ago. I've got Tom Lakatos on. Tom, welcome. Thanks for joining me today.
1: The next Twenty years, John. That's uh, that's scared <laughs> dates us a little bit, but it, it goes fast,
0: doesn't it? That was a long time ago, man. I remember so. My earliest memories were, you know, way back in the Ameriprise days. You running uh, an office, me running an office, and you were that guy on that scorecard. That I'm like, all right. You and I just battling back and forth, trying to get up to the top spot. And that was the, that was my, my first experience with Tom Licato. So then we met at a conference and, you know, I'm like, I I like this guy a lot. This is a guy that I have fun competing with. So. Yeah. Thanks, man. Yeah.
1: Well, that was fun. Like we all, you know, every now and then you see that flash in the pan guy that, you know, comes up to the top of the scorecard and you never hear from them again. And, but the, you know, the the group of people that consistently get good results and, you know, stay at the top of the scorecard, you know, John, where you and I tended to live along with some others, you know, there's that, that group usually does things the right way. They usually inspire people. They usually help people win. Mm-hmm. And um, that's, I think why we were able to have that connection because I think we were rooted in the same fundamental
0: uh, you know, principles. Yeah, I agree. Um, so, you know, you've 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 done a ton. You've accomplished a lot. And we'll get, I want to get into your experience and your background. You're now running uh, Lincoln Investment as the senior vice president, uh, overheading uh, sales and really the key one of the key leaders there with the field. Uh, but, you know, I'm always interested. Everybody, not everybody, but most people were kind of bit by the bug in, with leadership at some point in their life. Um, whether it was a specific situation or a person that was in their life that kind of changed their mindset or their path. Was that the case with you? Was there a time that you remember where you're like, you know what, I think I want to get into leadership.
1: Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, you know, I think um, the answer is I was always, I was always one that gravitated towards lead. You know, there's an old saying that, you know, we used to hear at prize that, it's very true. And that is that le- leaders are often chosen by the lead, right? And so, you know, I, I, my first experience with leadership was that people chose me early on, right? Whether that was captain of the baseball team or, you know, captain of the sports team or student council president or things like that. You know, I, I always found myself being chosen by my peers to be in a of leadership. I was always outspoken. I was always a good student. And you know, I think people liked me and respected me. And, and, you know, but then as I got into my career a little bit, you know, I'm, I, I had, a, I had experience and I'd been exposed to some great leaders. My first experience, my first job out of college was Disney, maybe the best company in the world at, at customer service. And I learned a ton about that, but then I got into nonprofit work and I worked for Anthony Shriver and he was the first one I'd really worked for where I really looked up to him. You know, here's a guy that, you know, worth, you know, billion plus member of the Kennedy family. You'd never know it if you met him. And he dedicated his life to helping other people and creating better outcomes for people. And, and so I, I I, got to really understand um, it, in terms of my own career that I had this real passion for helping people and making a difference. Um, I was an advocate for people with disabilities. Um, and I liked this giant sort of wake behind you. I was always impressed by the size of the crowd you know, people thanking Anthony for the impact that he had given. So I think that was my first real experience with somebody that was really impactful. And then, you know, how it goes at Prize, It's eventually, you know, at the time it was American express and, you know, there were some people there that really took an interest. They identified that. And I think that's part, it's an underrated thing that leaders do. Sometimes they tap somebody on the shoulder and they say, Hey man, I, I see something in you. In my case, that was Peter Velarde, who I think, you know, Peter, Uh, I was the SVP of the South. I was a young manager in his region in 2004 and he and his staff had identified me as a high potential leader. And at that point, Peter took a real interest in my career, one Mm -hmm. regular one-on-ones and, you know, ongoing coaching and mentoring, made sure that I, I took an opportunity outside of his region so that I'd be exposed to different ideas and different Mm -hmm. people. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, Peter's got that way about him and, you know, he, figured out really quickly with me that, you know, I didn't need a whole lot of pushing. You just had to kind of steer me a little and coach me. Um, and, and that was, I think where it really started.
0: Well, it's interesting because, and I, you know, I obviously do know him real well and he does have that way. If he tells you, you know, Hey, I can imagine that, you know, him tapping in your shoulder. I mean, that's, you're like okay uh, uh, yeah of course i'm going to i'm going to follow follow you and if you think i've got the potential how you know it's interesting cuz you bring up a really good point you know there's a lot of leaders that just naturally rise to the top i mean they just emerge and people follow them but there's also a lot of leaders to your point and i've been on both sides of this where they might not have emerged unless somebody tapped them on the shoulder where they actually said hey you know what i see some potential in you um, and I don't know what that percentage of great leaders are that, that represent that group. Like they might not have done it. Had somebody not said, Hey, I see some potential in you, but how important do you think that is as a leader to look for leadership potential in others and tap them on the shoulder? And, and do you have, you know, maybe even any examples of that, of people that you you did that with?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's, well, here's the thing. I, I think our, it's part of our job as leaders, right. To identify and develop leaders behind you you know it's it's uh, i think about that kind of thing a lot like the bench behind me and the strength of the team i have around me and my role in developing them and I also think that, you know, at least in the career that I've chosen, you know, the people that we recruit and train, the, the people that become financial advisors, ultimately, they, they may not view themselves as leaders within their practices, but I, I would argue that that's exactly what they are. Their job is to influence people to better outcomes, which by definition is leadership. So, you know, if you're going to do it, Right. And I think you and I come from the same school of, you know, Doug Lenick that says, you know, everything we do is observable. Therefore, everything we do influences other people. So you might as well be deliberate about it. If you believe that, that everything we do is observable and everything we do influences others, then I think it's a conscious decision that you make to do that in a positive direction. And as somebody that's been trained and as somebody and, and don't get me wrong, I'm not the be all end all. There are things I can do better and there. I'm certainly pretty self-aware and always looking to develop. Um, I don't, you know, I'm always afraid of the guy that's arrived. You know, there's nowhere to go from there but down, and and I've never, I'm not arrived. I, I'm, this is still an upward trajectory. Hopefully, I'm still trying to impact a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think I think that it's part of my role to tap people on the shoulder and say, I see something in you, and I'd like to develop it in you. And I mean, that was one of the cool things I learned about Peter. You know, when you lead a bunch of sales leaders, he knows that they're all sales leaders. So of course they're going to position all of his, all of their people as the greatest thing since sliced bread. And, you know, Peter was very in tune with that. So, you know, it was sort of a trust but verify thing. I remember he used to send Jill Jakes, who was his implementation manager. He used to send Jill on the road to go observe firsthand uh, everything that, you know, spend a day in the field with every leader in his region and Joe would come back and force rank everybody and say, here's what I think, you know, here's what they say are the top leaders. Here's what I say are the top leaders. And then, if Peter identified you as a top leader through that process, he took a personal interest in your career. And it's been pretty amazing. Like it's, you know, you think, you know, some people say that and then you, you have one one on one and you never hear back from them again. And um, you know, mm-hmm. Peter though, true to his word, it, he, he's, he's still a mentor in my life today. He's still, I don't talk to him every month or every week, but mm-hmm. man, when we catch up, it's like, we just spoke yesterday and he cuts right to the quick of, you know what are you working on? What 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 do you need help with? What's what's your bottleneck? As you know Peter loves to talk about bottlenecks and
0: mm-hmm. yeah. and
1: uh, you know I, I I've tried to pay that forward and I've tried to be that for some people because I feel like you know yeah I don't know that I'd be where I am without him. To your point, like it's yeah. you know I think about that a lot. I think I'd be successful. I think I'd be have a great practice with a lot of clients. I just don't know that. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm much more motivated by impacting a group of advisors and a group of
0: clients. Well, and the other thing too, which I think is worth worth saying is, you know, we we always, we everybody has blind spots. And when you're working with someone else, like a Peter, and I've You know, I've shared, I've worked with him for many years uh, as my coach. And uh, there are always things that somebody else is going to see that you can't. And if you're truly serious about developing as a leader, I don't care if it's somebody who's, you know, a a coach of a team or a teacher or a parent. I mean, everybody is a leader in one respect or another because you are, to your point, your influence on other people. And uh, leadership skills totally change your life. I mean, if you can learn how to lead your own life better you almost can't be a leader of other people, not almost, you can't, unless you really figure that out for yourself. So I'd love to talk about, you know, that with you, where does, how does leadership affect you? I mean, you're, I know you, you know, most of the audience doesn't, you're a guy who's just like, you know, your capacity for doing a lot and and being productive is huge. And that takes a lot of leadership, but how do you view leadership as it relates to leading your life in general?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, look, I think it starts with, you know, it starts with understanding who you
0: are and what you want, right?
1: I think the greatest advice ever given is, it's, I think it's inscribed at the Oracle of Delphi, right? I think it was Aristotle who said, know thyself, right? So, you know, I, I think it starts with an understanding of who I am. And, and to your point, you know, I'm pretty, I've gotten to the point where I'm pretty clear. I know who I am. I know what I'm about. You know, I take regular inventory of my core values and principles. My, I find that you know, like a lot of people my val- my principles don't change they are, my bedrock core principles are what they are but my values have changed as i've gotten older and my family's gotten older and you know it's just it stands to reason that i want different things at 52 than i wanted at 42 than i wanted at 32 right so you know i think that it 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 benefits me every now and then to make sure that i'm living in alignment with what matters to me and am i doing the things that would generate the kinds of results that facilitate what I'm trying to accomplish in my career and in my life. And, and, you know, and then, and then I think, believe it or not, you're right. I, I, I find that one of the secrets for me is, is I like to fill my calendar with the right activities so that the hardest thing I have to do each day is really just get up. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's funny how it works. I've learned this over the years. Um, We, from kindergarten through, through, you know, college, we work on a calendar, Right, The clock, bell rings, you go to class, bell rings, you leave, you go to the next class. And then we graduate from school and we think, wait, man, thank God I'm done with that. And uh, I'm going to try this without a calendar for a while. I don't need the alarm clock. I don't need the – and what we find is that we we function better with structure. And, mm-hmm. and I've learned that about myself over the years that you know, if I can fill my calendar with activities – that are productive, that lead to the right results, you know, what we would call the key activities for my life, not just my job, by the way. And mm-hmm. I'll never forget this, John, It's it's one of the lessons I learned when I was a first year financial advisor, I learned the power of executing. Because here's what I know, right? If, if, if I succeed, and I know people like this, and I'm sure you do, but if I succeed at work at the expense of my life, do I really win? I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. And if I succeed at home, but I fail in my career, do I really win? Mm -hmm. Again, I'm not sure. I think it only really works if I win everywhere. Right. And winning does that may mean different things to me than it does to you. I'm not talking about amassing the most riches. I'm I'm talking about a fulfilled life. To me, winning is having a fulfilled life without financial stress, where I have a a strong impact on and positive impact on the people around. Right. That leads to fulfillment for me. And so ultimately, you know, I had this in my first year. I remember I was really worried about this because I was in—I was just married, right? I started in the career in 2001. I had just been married in November of 2000, and I was really concerned that I was going to jeopardize my new marriage. And I remember saying to my manager at the time, I said, "Listen, you know, we, we had this process called Woody Woofy. It was really what do you want for yourself and and personal goals, self-development goals, right? And, and my number one." self-development goal was I wanted to be, I wanted to be a great husband. I had just gotten married and he said, well, great. Um, I need you to schedule activities in your calendar every week that work towards being a great husband. I didn't even know what he was talking about. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, well, I want to see a date night in there. I want to see you go to lunch once a week with your wife. Right. I want to see, I'm going to ask you if you've called your wife during the day from time to time. And the answer better be yes. And he, he, believe it or not, he held me accountable to being a great husband he would ask me in my one-on-ones how was your date night did you have lunch with your wife wait i noticed you substituted that week when are you rescheduling it and literally i learned the power of leadership as it relates to helping people win in their life and it's an, it's it was profound I've, t- I've always taken this sort of approach since then um because i think it's immensely powerful when you're able to really impact people in that way that's to me true leadership. And it's how it's impacted my life. It's become so much more than just something I do at work. You know what I mean? Like I, it it affects how I interact with my kids. It affects how I interact with my wife and hopefully it affects how they interact with people. Yeah. Um, because I think a lot of it's transferable.
0: Yeah. There's so much there. in what you said, I mean, I I think about a couple of things, you know, one is you're so right. I mean. I look at—I mean—the pinnacle of life is happiness. Everybody wants to be happy, and that's defined differently by different people, uh, by everybody. But you know, figuring out what that means to you—and—and like you said, it's not necessarily about accumulating this massive amount of wealth. Uh, You know, I used to think that okay, if I'm successful in business and I'm willing to do whatever it takes to be successful in business, then naturally I'm going to be successful personally. I'm going to be successful in my relationship. I'm going to be successful health-wise. And then I realized it's not. I mean, I remember a time in Hartford actually where, you know, I took over that office. I'm like, I'm gonna do whatever it takes to turn this place around. And I was there at 6 a.m. until 10 at night some nights. And I'm, I'm like, okay, I, you know, you don't. It doesn't take long before you quickly realize, okay, that there's there's sacrifices and consequences to being that imbalanced, especially for an extended period of time. And when you figure out how to get everything working and to your point from the other perspective as a leader working with people and you figure out what's important to them outside of work you know i always am amazed at the leaders that that never have any conversations with their people about anything other than work you know they don't know their family situation they don't know their hobbies they don't know the interests behind them you know i remember working with a leader of mine who I went through the witty wiffy exercise and I found out one of his big goals, he was a musician too. And he wanted to open up, he wanted to build his own studio inside his house. And that became the driving force so much behind everything he did. We, we talked about it and it was, Hey, okay. And, and it became about that and him doing a great job at work helped that. So, but I wouldn't have known that had I talked had I asked him. So I think a great leader is somebody who asks yeah. questions. Hey, what's important to you? You know, what do you, what do you want to accomplish? Um, So great, great points.
1: Yeah. Look, I mean, well, John, you know, and I, well, I think, listen, I think you and I both know, look, I I used to tell people this, like, listen, here's how this usually goes when you join my team, I'm going to start out, I'm going to be really nice. Right. And I want you to like me and I want to influence you. But eventually if I don't get what I want, I'll be really direct. And then if I continue to not get what I want, I'll be a jerk. And, you probably won't like me so much then. And the thing is I'm all of those things at times and I'm none of those things at times, but I'm really just trying to figure out how to get you to do the right things. Mm-hmm. So how about we eliminate all of that and you just tell me what's important to you so I can help you get it. Mm-hmm. And when I see you acting in a way that doesn't lead to that, I'm going to absolutely point it out and try to redirect you down a path that leads to you getting what you want. All you have to do is tell me at some point if that changes. Mm-hmm. So, right. And I think that, that there's this sort of fear to get into the, that stuff with people. And I, you know, it's, a I do it in a very professional way. I'm not look do You don't have to tell me the intimate details of your life. That's not what I'm after. What I'm after though, is I know that my goals don't motivate others. Like heck my, my boss's goals don't motivate me. Right. I mean, he wants me to be here cause that's what he needs for the company, but I want to be here always. And if you just hold me to what you want, you're going to miss out on all this other great stuff mm-hmm. that could happen if you would lead me to what I want. And when I hire, I'm looking for people that want more than I want, generally speaking. Mm-hmm. But I also think that there's, I, I just want to clarify, because I think, you know, in your comment, um, you know, in, in that pursuit of a great date night and, and being a good husband, uh, listen, don't, you know how this goes. We, man, I worked every Saturday for 15 years, right? I did plenty of 7 a.m.s to 8 p.m.s, 9 p.m. In fact, my first two years... I'll tell you this, this is, this is critical. My, my, I, John, this is true. When I, my wife worked at Disney when I got this job at the end of this career, 2001, I remember going up the 17th floor of the Wachovia bank building in downtown Orlando to get the job offer. And I dragged my wife along and she was so fish out of water. She was a server at Disney. She had worked till 2am the night before. And it was like 8am. So what am I I'm dressed up in an elevator at 8am? What am I doing here? And I said to her, I said, listen, I think they're about to offer me this job. And I'm going to if they offer it to me, I'm going to be building a business for both of us that one day I'm going to sell because I don't have a 401k in this job. This is an entrepreneurial endeavor. And I just want you to hear it, because if you have a problem with it, I want to know before I take it. And I'll respect that, Mm -hmm. but I just don't want to find out six months from now that you think I shouldn't take this job, because really, if I take it, I need your help you have to help me. And there's going to be days I'm going to call you at nine o'clock at night and say, I'm coming home. And you're going to say, not if you didn't set an appointment yet, you're not, or not. If you didn't generate a lead today, you're not right. I'm going to, I'm going to ask you to help hold me accountable to the stuff that I need to do to be successful at this. Because I heard that there are some spouses who aren't supportive and it makes it harder for the person to succeed when you get your teeth kicked in all day long and you call home at eight o'clock and your spouse says, aren't you ever coming home? I'm buried with the kids and you already feel guilty that you're not there. And that's just an additional poke in the eye that makes it harder. So I want to know how you feel before I take to her credit, you know, sure enough, John, this is sales one-on-one. You'd be amazed. Steve Miranda was my manager in Orlando he offers me the job. And then I say, yeah, this is really good. We have to talk about it. He goes, I think you should. he literally just left the room and we're sitting in his office. Like, well, I guess we should talk about it. Right. Like we, that kind of stuff is legit. Like we, uh, we undervalue the, the power that like, we didn't even think twice. We just said, okay, I guess we'll talk about it now. He came in like 15 minutes later, goes, did you talk about it? We said, yep. And he said, what are your thoughts? And I said, I'll take it. And, you know, sure enough, that's what my wife did for a year was, you know, I'd call her at eight o'clock at night after a long day and say, I'm coming home. And she'd say, Not if you did you meet some because she knew my goal. Set two appointments, meet one new person every day. Mm-hmm. I made it that's one thing I've been very good at over the years. I I I can take hard stuff, John, and make it pretty simple. Mm-hmm. But this concept of balance, I don't want people to mistake, you know, my comments about being a good husband and my family for the fact, you know, and somehow extrapolate out that I didn't work really hard. I, I, you know, I worked really hard for a really long time. And, you know, most of the people like you and I that have survived it, you know, it's funny, I was just talking about this yesterday where there were like 80 people in the cubes when I first started, you might remember that type of environment. Oh yeah. You know, there were 80 advisors in the Orlando office when I first joined. There's probably 12 of us still in the business, 15. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a hard business, but the people that stuck, they're all doing really well. They've all had an incredible career helping clients with stuff that has depth and meaning. And, you know, they've, they've made great money and, and, and earned it the right way in the process. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's yeah. this, it's taken a long time, but, you know, I don't think the basic premises have changed, right? Work hard, care about what you do, mm-hmm. right? I, I believe money tends to find greatness, right? I always try to teach people, you know, chase, don't chase money, chase greatness. If you can be great at this, People will find you. Clients will find you. Clients will respect you, and eventually, you'll be successful financially as well.
0: Yeah, it's interesting that, and I, I've I've realized that as well. When you find what you're passionate about, and you do, and you commit to being excellent at it, the money will take care of itself. Um, when people chase the money first, right. that's where they end up doing something for the wrong reasons, or they're unhappy. And just to go back, I I love you know the point that I get from what you were saying is, and I think that a lot of the listeners will. You know, you involved Eden in, in, in this journey that you took right from the beginning. I mean, it was a partnership from the start, including the decision to even begin it. And um, that's, I think, that that's to me, at least what I take as the difference. And uh, I, I think sometimes that doesn't, that many times that doesn't happen. And that's where, you know, you, you had a partnership going in. She was helping you go through that. You were going through the ups and downs together. Um, and it was a journey that probably, you know, not to get too personal, but it probably made you, it got you even stronger and closer because of that and ultimately led to your success in the business. So I think there's a lot of lesson that can be taken from that. Yeah. Yeah. Well,
1: you know, what's funny, John, is that you're absolutely right. It continued. I mean, as we started, as I started to do well and started to, you know, as I dug in and, and I started to have success in the leadership track and it looked like that was going to be my path. As you know, in a large company like Ameriprise, if you want opportunities like that, you have to be willing to move. And, and you know, where that really, it started that first day as an advisor and, and then it continued as I started to get opportunities. And I'll never forget it. My wife just said, listen, I'll go wherever you tell me we should go for your career. If, if, you know, that's what you want to do. And, and if you tell me that it's good for our family, you know, as long as I can participate and you're not dictating to me and I'm your partner, um, then, you know, I'll go wherever you go. As long as I have as much say in terms of where we live and the communities we live in. And of course, you know, that's, I rely on her a lot. And one of the things that's been really powerful over the years is she's really given me the ability to focus. I've been really fortunate. I've never said you have to stay home. You can't get a job. I'm not that kind of guy what i've said is you you choose if you want to work outside the home work outside the home and we'll solve for that and if you don't want to work outside the home and you want to stay home obviously I, i'd love my kids to be raised by their mom and i'm i'm great with that too so and she chose to stay home since we started moving around in 05 and you know every day my kids are little reflections of her and she's the kindest person i know but she's put me in a position over the years to really have the ability to focus which is i think very underrated she takes care of a lot of the stuff at home so I don't have to. And so I can, re- cause she knows that my job's pretty intense and mm-hmm. that I need to be really focused in order to be successful at it. Mm-hmm. I, I really don't, to your point, I don't know that I'd be this successful if I had, uh, you know, a lesser partner. She's, she really is my partner. And, and I, you know, it's funny, you know, when I decided I, I knew when I'd marry her. So when I worked on in nonprofit work um, prior to part of this, I, I, I enjoyed every minute of it. I worked for best buddies in Florida, Made no money, but I was, you know, fundraising and developing and I was doing building a monster network that really benefited me when I became a financial advisor of really connected people. And, but, it, 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 and the whole time my wife was working at Disney and she basically carried me through my 20s because she was making. Great money, believe it or not. Servers at Disney. My wife worked at the California Grill on top of the Contemporary. And she worked at Citrico's at the Grand Floridian. Both really nice restaurants where Mm -hmm. it's slow dinner, lots, you know, expensive meals and Mm -hmm. great tips. And and I just kept telling her, I have a plan. I have a plan. She never once asked me what the plan was. So I saved money in my first two years as an advisor and in, you know, I managed before we got married, I took her to New York city and I had saved 10 grand, and I had a cab take us like, you know, West fifth Avenue and West and East 78th, you know, and I, we got out of the cab and she said, what are we doing? I said, we're going to walk down fifth Avenue and I saved $10,000 to thank you for everything you've done. And I just, I want to stop in whatever store you want to stop in and I want you to buy yourself whatever you want. I think, you, you know, I can't say thank you enough. Well, she didn't spend a penny. We walked down. It, we there's David Yurman. There's Coach. There's Barney's, and she'd go, no, no, no. They, we have the Barney's outlet in Orlando. We don't. I wouldn't buy anything. You know. So, and, and at the end of the at the end of the street, she goes, why don't we just invest the ten grand? And I'm like almost right on the spot. I almost dropped to my knees and like, <laughs> I thought I'd found the right
0: person. So oh, wow, man. It, she's it. truly been.
1: It, it's funny the roles. You know, we learned since then, John. Yeah. Um, they have a name for that, right? The time enabler versus the time demander. It's it's a leadership concept. Mm-hmm. Um, I I my wife has always been a time enabler for me, uh, deliberately for years, and mm-hmm. and I, it's a huge part of my success. I think over the years.
0: That's fantastic, man. I have chills. I love that story. You might have some wives listening that are saying, "What? You turned down ten grand at Fifth Avenue? What?" But I love I love it. Yeah, great stuff. I think stuff, it's man. for what it's
1: worth. I think it's still it's it's still in a Roth IRA. It oh, just grown it's it's a little bit since
0: probably that. quadrupled if not uh, more. Uh, awesome stuff, man. I've loved their yeah. conversation. I know we're at the end of our time here. Uh, we will uh, we will put a link there so people can see you on LinkedIn. Of course, uh, for those of you for those that want to learn a little bit more about what you do or at LinkedIn, is that the best way for people to reach you that way through LinkedIn?
1: Yeah, LinkedIn is a great way to to make contact with me and I certainly welcome it. I, as you know, John, I'm a student of leadership, I, I believe that uh, it matters and I'm grateful for people like you that do this and facilitate these sorts of conversations to make people more aware of
0: it. That's great. Well, I know this will be a popular episode and you've uh, provided a lot of value. So appreciate you having you, buddy. This has been great. So, my, and my pleasure, John. I need time. Absolutely. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in today. I've been here with Tom Licato, Senior VP of Lincoln Investment. Uh, as always, make sure you like, subscribe, share, and of course, go down below, give a five star review. Let us know your thoughts. I always appreciate your thoughts and ideas on future topics as well as future guests. And stay tuned in a matter of two days, at least from today. My book, Tomorrow's Leader, comes out on uh, ebook format on the 27th and another couple months hard copies, so I will keep you up to date on that. As always, appreciate your time today. Look forward to seeing you next time. Thanks, everybody. Take care. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of Tomorrow's Leader. For suggestions or inquiries about having me at your next event or personal coaching, reach me at john at